Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, my name is Chris, and we have no Mark, and again, we have no Emma, so we have somebody else standing in. Uh, this week, I've got a very special guest. We've got Paul from the United Rankcast. How are you doing, Paul? I'm really good, thank you. I've, I've never been called a very special guest before. I feel I feel good about that. Very, very special guest. You've been on here before, haven't you? I have, yeah. Uh, I have very fond memories of it. Yeah. Uh, because... You let me make fun of Liverpool, and you've had me back. It's magic. Well, it was the week after the Crystal Palace game, <laughs> and now here you are the week after they got the Champions League. <laughs> so I was just having a sip of water, and it nearly came out of my nose because you mentioned the Crystal Palace yeah. game, the world's funniest ever game of football, apart from when we beat Arsenal the other week. <laughs> well, like Michael from the Wire, you can't keep away. So, <laughs> well, I was hoping that Mark and Emma would be here because they would be Snoop and uh, Chris, and that would kind of make me Marley. I don't know if you want to be... It's a really worrying personality trait to want to be Marlowe, Chris. That's like Marlowe is the worst person in The Wire, oh, and no. that's saying something. Cheese is worse. I'm not sure he is, you know. Maybe. Maybe it doesn't... Oh, yeah. Slim... No, anyway, I was just about to get into heavy Wire spoiler territory, so let's not do that. I... Cheese is pretty bad, though. I think there is a Wire football podcast out there, definitely. Yeah, I, I know we've got uh, footballers as something something coming up later, but Have you? football footballers as Omar would be an interesting one as well. Well, that'd be Zlatan. I'll, I'll leave it. Do you think so? Yeah, Zlatan coming. Yeah, and he, yeah. he whistles down the street. Yeah, I got a yeah maybe. I think Ronaldo's got a shot for that as well because I think the most terrifying player to face in world football must be Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, because Messi's like scary to play against, but he's all sweet looking, so he'd distract you. Of course, we all know uh, the footballer who most resembles Marlowe is Ashley Young. Yes, that's true. It's strong lookalike value there. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's what I was thinking more Zlatan's attitude. Which, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I get it. Which would also make um, Van Gaal Bill Rawls. No way, because Bill Rawls is a, a corrupt. Uh, you know, whereas Van Gaal stands for truth. <laughs> Van Gaal would be um, the guy that runs the docks union in the second series, whose name escapes me. Oh, Sabotka, Frank Sabotka. Yeah, Frank Sabotka. Yeah. Oh, no, imagine next time Rooney's got his contract talks and he gets pulled into Van Gaal's office and he walks in. Yeah. These are for you, Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> totally works. I think, that, yeah, it gets there. Well, the other thing we were talking about on the Sunday show was footballers as. Um, James Bond and Bond villains. I'll come to your yeah. set. Colin from the Sunday Show suggested Glenn Hoddle as James Bond with Adrian Charles. I don't watch any Bond films. Is Felix later? No, I don't know who that is. No. Uh, a Colin Render, regular listener and contributor to the website, uh, suggests Berbatov as Bond, which I thought was a good shout. With very good shout. Uh, either Brolin, Gerard Piquet, uh, or of course Suarez as yours. As your Bond. Yeah. My own kind of works. My own one was uh, Frank Lampard as Bond. I think he looked very good in a suit. 
No way. He doesn't have the personality. No charisma. Do you not think? No, I'm not having it. And also, it would just be, you'd have, uh, Stephen Gerrard would be M, and they'd all be saying, oh, can they spy together? (laughs) Uh, and my baddie came to me the other day watching the Liverpool game. Did you notice? Yeah, they are, there are a lot of baddies in that team. You are right. Well, no, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, Barnsley. Did you see who came on as a sum? No, Walter Samuel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine. Absolutely, yeah. It was quite a moment. And Ivan Cordova is odd job. Kind of works. Yeah, kind of works. What are you going to say? I, I was thinking. My name's Falcao Radamel Falcao. Have you seen that man? That man looks good in a tuxedo. So I'm, I'm having Falcao as Bond. Bond never and wearing Alice Band. He would if the circumstances required him to. I think he's, he's a very sort of 21st century Bond, you know. Metrosexual. Um, yeah, exactly. It totally works. Better, definitely better than Frank Lampard as well. Do you? Um, yeah, no question. But I might be insanely biased on this particular topic. Although, I have to say, I do think Van Gaal's got the slight look of a Bond villain about him, having said he stands for all that is good and pure and true in the world. Yeah, he's not too far many steps away from um, Hank Scorpio in The Simpsons. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I'd quite like to cast David Moyes as a Bond villain because he's trying to destroy the world, but ultimately just slightly fails to do so and has to go and live in Spain for the rest of his career. You can imagine him walking to an upturned rake or something. Yes, that's not Bonville and that's Sideshow Bond. That is, yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, your jolly chaps, Monday, Southampton won Manchester United 2. I've a couple of stats for you, which I'm sure you know about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had three shots in the game, six. Plenty. And you had six touches in the opposition box, which is 26 fewer than Southampton. But you saw so we need. You, exactly, you won. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the fewest shots on target, not shots on target, shots on goal registered by a Manchester United side since Opta began collecting that stat 11 years ago. And I I suspect Opta would have had to go a very long way back um, to find a game when United had three shots on target, three shots on goal. Van Persie had all of them uh, and uh, two of them did the business. You only lost Uh, 1-0 if you hadn't been in such gifts. Absolutely cast iron nighttime robbery um just i rarely ever seen a united side play that badly um never mind win or lose they've very rarely have a united side been quite that inept at trying to keep the ball and get the ball forward van Gaal's decision to switch back to a back three was really quite shocking because the you know the arsenal game the other week was that was properly hilarious because they just they had half an hour where they could have done whatever they wanted, but it turns out they didn't particularly want to score any goals, um, which was their big problem. De Gea got a lot of praise after that game, and he he did very well. But it was like that Tim Howard game against Belgium in the World Cup, I think it was, where he made a lot of saves, but very few that you wouldn't have expected him to make. Uh, and Arsenal really didn't test De Gea, and United were incredibly dysfunctional with the ball in most of that game too, but just about kind of scraped it together and improved in the second half. So it was a real surprise after two really good, well, one really good performance and one pretty decent performance with a back four to see Van Gaal switch to a, a back three again was really unfortunate because actually, you know, lots been made of United's defence this season, but if you're paying close attention, defence isn't the problem in terms of stopping the opposition scoring. We've done that fairly effectively. It's that when we play the back three, we completely lose the ability to play the ball out 
out from the back. Fellaini's been a, in a pretty good run of form lately, but he was moved uh, when McNair was taken off because he's having such a bad game. Carrick was dropped into midfield and Fellaini was moved back to the base of United's midfield where he'd done so poorly last season and reverted to type, just giving the ball away every five minutes. I and, saw him at uh, wide a couple of times. Uh, yeah, it was largely during the, the first half and he did that a lot against Stoke the week before. Um, but yeah, once he once he went to the base of the spine, it was uh, it was a real big problem. And he there's a moment in the second half where he tries to play a through ball, and it never in my life have I been watching a football match and it looked so much like what happens when you're playing a computer game and you press the wrong button. <laughs> and he was trying to do a short pass and he did a through ball instead, and it all went horribly wrong. <laughs> so, what did you make of us that day? Because as a as a distant dispassionate observer, I thought you were okay to be honest. I, I, I watched the game, I've got to be honest, I saw the second half, and then thought you did okay, and then I turned the telly on the next day, and there was all this, Gary Neville said you're a pub team, and only three shots, and I thought, I'm sure I'd watched a different game. De Gea, I thought, again, kept you in it, and Southampton did miss a few chances, but um, I thought I, I thought the second goal in particular, uh, although it was bad defensively, I thought... you. Van Percy took it very well. It was superb and a wonderful cross from Rooney. Yeah. And that's difficult for me to say, but it was. <laughs> um, but uh, the 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 truth is you, you definitely would get a very different impression of that game if you just watched the second half. Because from the time we got the second goal, we were actually pretty good. It was everything that led up to that. I mean, the first half, I, it, I can barely get the words out. I mean, the, the Van Persie goal in the first half was a complete joke. It was a, a total gift. Um and but Southampton just were they just lacked clinical finishing and De Gea is superb there's no doubt he's the best keeper in the league that's uh doesn't seem to be something that's up for much debate although I'm sure several Chelsea fans would disagree maybe not so many Liverpool fans though Chris uh no well speaking of disasters <laughs> let's move on to Tuesday night shall we <laughs> <laughs> yeah <let's>. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you came on for wasn't it you know, I'm actually, all joking aside, not that big on the Schadenfreude in football, but the the one exception I will make is for for your boys. I follow a Chelsea fan, and most of the time she's lovely, but she said that it was the happiest... I mean, just a few moments before I saw your tweets after the game, but she said it's the happiest she's ever been in football. Bearing in mind, they <laughs> won a European Cup only two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, it was nowhere near that for me. It was just, it was just sort of mildly amusing. I don't know that they that... looked far more up for it right from the very beginning. Basel did. Liverpool were quite sort of nervous. You could think there was a, a moment at the start of the game where um, Mingle played the ball out to the edge of the penalty area, and somebody sort of they skied it. It's like they played a really bad golf shot, and it landed on the other end of the penalty area, and they gave the ball away, and Basel nearly scored. Basel yeah. just seemed more alert to the second ball. They just seemed yeah. um, more comfortable on the ball. Yeah. And there was just a whole, uh, the whole game plan seemed much more geared up um, uh, to sort of attacking play and to being sort of happier on the ball and, and comfy with it. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that sports two football teams. I'm a QPR fan as well. Um, this is not going great for you at the moment. Though. Well, no. QPR is slightly better than Liverpool, yeah, maybe. Did you see the manager of Basel? Uh, yeah. Paolo Sosa, who couldn't manage a bloody... <laughs> Been emptying contest at QPR. 
yeah, it didn't go well from there. But he's doing a fine job at Basel, and, and they just looked a better side than Liverpool. It didn't look anything particularly mysterious. I mean, Basel, they've got phenomenal Champions League experience. They played us off the park twice in the group stages a couple of years ago yeah. when we failed to get through the group. And Chelsea as well, they did. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, they beat Tottenham in the Europa League as well. So no no shortage of English scouts and... and this is a pretty decent side, aren't they? But, I mean, I was watching that game thinking, I really hope it's this Liverpool that turns up on Sunday. I think you're not far wrong. Well, the celebrity Basel fan is Roger Federer. And I can't remember yes. ever seeing him sweat on a tennis pitch, on a tennis court. <laughs> and it was pretty much the same kind of performance from Basel. <laughs> it was. Just right at the end, the hope that kills you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stevie Me with a classic. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful free kick, I thought. Um, and... Then also it was quite funny. There's a little inside baseball story here, but when he scored a goal at United recently, he ran up and kissed the camera. Mm. And uh, there's a brilliant photo of the Steadicam operator, who I happen to know is a massive United fan, just glaring at him as he's kissing the camera. And that Steadicam operator happened to be on the pitch as <laughs> Gerard sunk to his knees and he's kind of walking around him. And I, I'm fairly confident he had a massive grin on his face <laughs> as he was taking the shot. Wait, he did that in 09, didn't he? When we beat you 4-1 and Torres he, got the hat-trick. He, that was when he first kissed the camera, wasn't it? I have no memory of that day whatsoever, but I do remember him doing it when he brought the score back to two all, uh, only for Dimitar Berbatov to score another hat trick. My my favourite Stephen Gerrard uh, kissing the camera meme though is always the picture of Stephen Gerrard kissing the camera alongside Ryan Giggs kissing the Premier League trophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kisses the badge on his chest and hands in a transfer. <laughs> yeah, there, we've we've moved on from that song though. Okay. Now the song now features the falling the, over. A mention of Denver Bar, let's say. <laughs> um, well, I mean, one win in six group games, and that came as a last-minute penalty as well. That was a very first against Ludogrets at home, right? Yeah. That's not great, is it? They don't deserve to get through. Uh, Lazar Markovic, was it a red card? Uh, I don't know because this is terrible. Because normally I don't have to talk about other teams' games, but I knew I was coming on this podcast this week. But I was out of the room when that happened, and I haven't seen a replay of it. Was it a red card? I think. It, well, I've got to be honest. I think it was. Basically, what happens is is he's on the ball and he's running away from his marker. He looks around a little bit and flings his fingers out, and his fingers barely brush the end of this guy's nose. But of course, he goes down like Ashley Young inside a penalty area. Um, <laughs> And uh, he gets a red card, and Andy Townsend was incandescent. But you raise your arm, you give you the referee decision to make, don't you? Can we have a little chat about Andy Townsend? Because at what point <laughs> is a man being paid to shout, Yes! Get in when there! Liverpool are about to score. It's just dreadful. He does it when Chelsea play as well. You can understand I don't want that to... a little bit. I don't want to be all, you know, oh, there's a media conspiracy against United, because obviously there isn't. But I can't help thinking he would not do that if we were playing. Can you imagine? Falcao's in the box with a minute to go. United need to score to get through the group stages. Is he going, go on, son, it's it. I'm sure, do you know when Nani got sent off against Real Madrid? Yeah. I'm sure he was quite vociferous then, right. thinking back. Okay. Only, maybe, only two- maybe, maybe I'm doing a, him a very specific disservice. Yeah in an otherwise extremely reasonable <laughs> set of complaints about how terrible Andy Townsend is. Only to be bitch slapped down by Roy Keane later on. That... Yes. Well, I remember Leicester City in the, this is going about a long, long way, in the playoff final back in 1992 um, right. against Blackburn Rovers. This is when they went up with Kenny Dalglish. Um, David Speedy dived in the penalty area and 
Jimmy Greaves, the co-commentator, was absolutely furious to the point where Leicester were attacking in something like the 89th minute, and he was on the edge of his sheet, seat shouting, score, score. <laughs> <laughs> but that was railing against the specific injustice, whereas Andy Townsend is just uh, serving a weird nationalism that's, you know, that just does not seem befitting. Like, there are plenty of Swiss people watching that match watching the ITV commentary, I'm not sure why they should be subjected to someone just supporting a team because of what country they come from. It's uh, it's very odd. And also, of course, it stops him doing the job he's supposed to be doing, which is providing some kind of analysis, although <laughs> that that might be a small mercy. Well, I tweeted something once. I think it's one of my most popular tweets. It got about 30 retweets. And I said, Andy Townsend commentating on Cristiano Ronaldo is like One Direction critiquing Hendrix. <laughs> Very good. And it's not far off. <laughs> Might go and dig that out and retweet it, see if we can't get you a few more numbers on that, because it deserves deserves them. Well, I did it again the other week and nobody's, nobody retweeted it. <laughs> <laughs> can't go to the well again. That's against the rules of Twitter. Oh, I know. Thinking other people's jokes and that. <laughs> uh, Arsenal, they lost 4 1. Um, I think won 4 1, sorry, away in Turkey, Galatasaray. Uh, Aaron Ramsey's. Yeah. They did nothing, absolutely nothing resting on that game. Put on a masterclass. Well, apparently Aaron Ramsey scored the greatest goal ever in association with football. It was a very, very nice goal. It was. It was I wouldn't it was say... Lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, it was good. First time and everything. But I wouldn't say it's as great as everything's made out. I mean, what you say that, but what could have been better about it? I mean, it, I'm, I'm not saying it was the greatest goal of all time or anything, because I think... Context is really important in that setting, and also it wasn't a fifty yards out overhead kick, <laughs> so doesn't beat Zlatan. Um, oh no, there's, it, no, Zlatan's been beaten by that. Felipe Mexis did it two weeks later and, and beat it. Okay, I, I, I've not. I can't believe I haven't seen that. I must look it up. I, I, um, I don't like Zlatan anyway. Ah, oh, I. Do you know what? I've never liked him. I bought his book, read it, and disliked him even more. I, that book made me really like him, oh. I have to say. I like the way he makes all the teams that he plays for sign Maxwell, because he likes yeah. it. It's good, I like that. Uh, just because he lent him an Xbox once or something. Yeah. No, I, I, I think Zlatan was quite humanised by that book. I, I I like him, I like his... I mean, he's a flawed character, as, as so many people are, but um, I, I, I quite like his incredible self-belief that's sort of entirely justified by his actual ability and it all goes back to that goal in um euro 2000 no what was it was it 2002 or maybe even 2004 that you know the one the uh the flying back heel yes. yeah that's uh, 2004 right yeah yeah um, so i have to say that ramsey goal wasn't even my favorite goal of this game oh okay the schneider free kick was brilliant because oh, he just looked I'm so just... pissed off, didn't he? He thought um, he was fed up. It was the last minute, and he just ran up and smacked it as hard as he could, and just walked back to the halfway line. Manchester United's Wesley Schneider. It was, it was a fantastic goal. Um, but no, I think I think the Ramsey goal was really something quite special and deserves a a good deal of praise. Uh, but I think I think there is such a big question to answer for Arsenal. That game is it's kind of damning of them, really. That they they finally put in some sort of performance when there's absolutely nothing at stake. It'll be very interesting to see if they can actually build on that, given how appalling they've been in the league recently. Because um, they've kind of done all right in the last couple of European games, but they have interspersed that with some some dreadful performances well, the domestically. And, the Anderlecht game as well. Yeah, that, but I think since then they've kind of recovered because mm. they, 
They lost to us because the Anderlecht game was just before an international break. Then they lost to us. Then they um, beat Dortmund. That was kind of a quite a big positive result for them, but lost to Stoke in classic Arsenal fashion. And then to come back and do this after that Stoke game, maybe you could say it speaks well of their character. But I think the fact that there was nothing at stake is is a bit of a problem. Well, at least he could catch the train without being booed this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the only person who is probably opposition manager gets a better reaction <laughs> of Galatasaray fans than his own fans. Uh, well, they can get in the next round. They can get um, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Porto, Bayern, Barca or Monaco. Really, you would want to avoid four of those teams, wouldn't you, if you were Arsenal? You would, but it really almost what's most interesting about that list is how many teams there are that are, would be fine. You know, given how tough that draw normally is. Mm. I mean, I'd rather play Monaco than Man City, wouldn't you? Uh, yes, I probably would. Yeah. And Porto, I suppose. But then I'd want to avoid the other four, like the plague. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Real Madrid won 4-0. They beat Ludogrets. Um, and they're quite good, aren't they, Real Madrid? They're not bad, are they? They're going for the 24-game winning streak, aren't they? Which is the, the record. I mean, they are, but it's a bit like when people started talking about Chelsea going unbeaten in October. They're going for it, but they're at, what, 16 no, they're at now? 20, I thought, wasn't it? Oh, OK. Well, they're if, they're a bit 20, then, <laughs> if they're at 20, then my point does not stand. But I thought they were uh, they were talking about it at a much earlier stage than that. I was thinking, this is all a bit getting ahead of yourself. But, I mean, that would be remarkable. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Um it's almost like if you spend hundreds of millions of pounds every <laughs> summer, you, you've got a decent chance of building a good team. If you have the best player in the world in your team, then you're uh, probably going to be all right. What a coincidence. Yeah, but then you've still got Ramos and Pepe at the back. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, really, it could not matter less, could it, against most teams, that. Juve <laughs> uh, and Atletico Madrid, they progressed with a 0-0 draw. Uh, Olympiacos beat Malmo 4-2, but that wasn't quite enough, so they go into the Europa League. Uh, Wednesday they've got a reasonable shot in the Europa League I would say they have as well wouldn't they Mitroglou scored for them oh that's nice isn't that nice poor Mitroglou had a hell of a time Fulham fans rejoice everywhere yeah that was such a such a weird one but anyway I could go on a massive tangent about Greece at the World Cup and Mitroglou and how Felix Magat ruined their chance of getting all the way to the semi-final anyway well he turned up got his signing on fee and they went again I'm sure he's not too unhappy with his six months (laughs) I, I bet he is actually because he he Greece needed a firing Mitroglou in that World Cup so badly it would have been the difference between uh, what was a still a pretty remarkable performance and maybe something really memorable. So mm. anyway, they were the hipsters' choice, weren't they? I'm not sure they were. I had to cover them for Bleacher Report. It was like some weird short straw that I drew. Um, so I became intimately familiar with the entire, uh, basically with how to spell Socrates Papastathopoulos. Um, and th- they had such a good defence in that World Cup. It was really remarkable. And actually, many of that, a uh, couple of members of that defence were on display on Wednesday night, Roma against Man City, because uh, Holobas and Manolas left um, Olympiacos in the summer to go to Rome. They did, didn't they? Well, I think Greece Algeria is maybe the hipster's choice of the tournament. That match. Uh, yeah, I don't think Greece played Algeria, did they? Didn't they? Oh, I'm... I don't think so. Oh, I'll get, I'll get my coat. I'm sure it was someone. <laughs> I'm sure it was someone like that they played. <laughs> they did. They. They. So I could. Oh, this is this is really sad. But I reckon I could tell you everyone Greece played in the World Cup. They uh, lost their opening game to Colombia, 
Um, then they played a very good battling draw with 10 men against Japan. It was the Ivory Coast, they, wasn't it? They beat Ivory Coast. That was really exciting. That was a penalty, um, wasn't it, the last minute? Last minute, Socrates scoring. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then they played Costa Rica. Maybe that's what you're thinking of I, in terms of super hipster. My favourite moment of the World Cup was during the Ivory Coast game because it was the last minute, wasn't it? And Ivory Coast were going through. Then they scored the penalty and Greece go through. Yeah. And the poor keeper um, from letting in the goal through to the end of the game couldn't manage to get off his knees. And the first thing the guy that scored the winner did was go up to him and give him a big hug after the game. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I felt all warm. And... Isn't it nice when people are nice? Yeah. Especially at this seasonal good festive time of the year and all that. Yeah, well, yeah. It might not happen on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> uh, Wednesday night, well, Chelsea beat Sporting 3-1. I think there's not really a lot to say about that, is there? No, except I thought that <clears throat> Jose's team selection was super weird. Uh, I mean, it's not an original thought. Lots of people are talking about that today um, as we record this on Thursday. But uh, it, I did think it was very, very strange that he didn't rotate more players and Fabregas played mm. and I, I, why on earth would you do that and unless he he's just trying to keep rhythm he's trying, trying to keep everyone in rhythm but you would have thought give give your big names a week off because you know this is all done and dusted and, and now we move on to the, the next league game yeah um, Bilbao beat Batty Borisov 2-0 Batty Borisov finished with a minus 22 goal difference uh, and still got uh, more points than Applewell <laughs> Nice, nice, good start. Very good. I was proud of that one. Uh, Porto won all, uh, drew one all with Shakhtar. Uh, they go through. Uh, Maribor lost one 0 to Schalke, so Schalke go through. Uh, oh, it's this one. It's a bit of this one. It was Barca three, PSG one. Ibra scored and celebrated against his old club. Well, of course he would. He's Ibra. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I don't think he feels particularly well treated by Barcelona in general. Well, he's like Barca. He just didn't like Pep, did he? Yeah, he, he was asked after the game, have you still got any friends in Barca? And he said, yeah, 90,000 in the stands and 22 on the pitch. How can you not love that man? How can you not love that man? I will not play with the Egyptian. <laughs> as he talked about El Sharaway. Yeah. Bit of, a, was... bit of a bully. I don't think he's going to get a Christmas card from Cavani either. No, no, or a pass. No. Um, what what was that game like? I, I saw the Neymar goal. That was lovely. Um, I, to be honest, I only sort, sort of turned on like 15 minutes left, but um, it looked like a game that Barca were in control of. Yeah. One of those sorts of games where, you know, you can kind of see the result that's coming. It's kind of interesting because that, that game had a lot of significance, didn't it? There was a chance that Barca wouldn't have won the group. Well, yeah. And they, they put themselves in a position to need that to win that game. But fortunately for them, they're actually really good and they've got Messi. I called Ronaldo the best player in the world earlier, but I'm now going to call Messi it just so I'm <laughs> deliberately avoiding taking sides in that ridiculous debate. Uh, well, he scored his 75th Champions League goal. It's too many. <laughs> it's too many. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, it's not good, is it? No. Well, it is. It's incredibly good. The two of them are just some sort of weird cosmic joke on each other. You know, you score a hat-trick. No, you score a hat-trick. After you, sir. You beat a massive record. Now you beat a massive record. Uh, Neymar scored an absolutely gorgeous goal, didn't he? Have you seen this so one? So nice. Yeah, lovely. And good old Luis Suarez. Boo! Boo! <laughs> no handshaking scandal this weekend. He's a baddie. This is the problem with Luis Suarez. It's like it's all fun and games until someone's a massive racist. Then it's just that becomes a real problem. Well, the racism aside, I do like a baddie. I know, but the problem is that sentence had to have the racism aside <laughs> yeah. in it. 
and you can't do that. It's like the racism. Nope, sorry, I've got to stop you there. No, I don't. can't put the racism aside. That's the problem. I know. Unfortunately, you can't. But no. I don't. I don't have a massive problem with the biting thing, and I don't have a massive problem with the diving thing because every football player cheats. It's just yeah. To what extent do you take that cheating? Yeah, I, I think that's all fine, but he's a racist. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the problem. And whether or not he is with capital R, as we've talked about at length on my podcast, so I won't bore everyone, but whether he is a racist or not is a, a more complicated question than did he do something massively racist yeah. in order to get competitive advantage? And I think the answer to that latter question is pretty distinctively suggested to be yes. And that then is like... Well, the rest of it goes out the window for me a bit. He, I, I love watching Barcelona because I like all that nice, you know, business they do. But it genuinely makes me slightly uncomfortable to watch Suarez <laughs> because of all that happened with uh, with Everett. But anyway, hmm. um, sort of about something about three years ago. I don't quite know where to go from that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, uh, City, 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 shall we? God, blimey, they were good. Yeah, De Rossi uh, and Strootman were on the bench. I don't, yeah, I, I mean, Strootman, Strootman is has got biscuit knee, um, so he's been really injured for ages and apparently has been terrible. I saw him do that knee and it was awful to watch because he carried on playing afterwards and then just collapsed in an awful <laughs> heap. I felt so sorry for him. Yeah, it's awful. And, you know, I, so I've been on Strootman watch because... The the general received wisdom is that ah oh, Van Gaal likes Strootman ah oh, United need a midfielder somebody tweeting during that game when Roman were losing right so do we have to wait till January or does Strootman just come straight to us at the end of this game <laughs> I think very very unlikely United are going to get him in January but it, I wouldn't be surprised if he proves his knees okay that he turns up at Old Trafford in the summer but um, yeah he he just isn't ready that's why he wasn't playing De Rossi I'm, I'm not sure why he wasn't playing but actually in the first half Roma looked like they could just smash City on the left at Will Holobas to mention him again mm. superb in the first half going forward um but but City sort of turned on the style in the second half and Nasri scored another and a lot of good goals yesterday Nasri was spectacular um and uh and you know i'm a united fan so this is sacrilege but how can you not love pablo sabaleta what a fine fine player that man well is. everybody with paul skulls didn't they uh, yeah apart from all the people that really hated him did they <laughs> yeah who hated yeah, paul skulls loads of people hated paul skulls because they felt that he uh masked a secret nasty streak behind uh, a very well-tailored reputation for being, oh, he's not a very good tackler, is he, Paul Scholes? But no, he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he's just a proper wrong Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to be competitive, no. haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you have. I mean, of course, I loved Paul Scholes. Yeah. He's one of my favourite players ever. But um... He's found a mouth since he's retired, hasn't he? Oh, dear. You don't meet your heroes and don't let your heroes go on television. <laughs> the thing about it is he did this at the back end of his final season. He appeared with... It was last season, of course. He appeared with Gary Neville on uh, Monday Night Football and eviscerated uh, Arsenal. And it was it was telling and it was very... It was very well-observed, but, you know, incredibly honest... This season, I feel like he's there's a kind of scattershot effect, right? He's just he's in all the papers and he's on telly all the time, and I feel like he's missing more than he's hitting with some of those opinions. Mm. They're, they're a bit wide at the mark, I think. Makes quite you, a lot. Of. Makes you long for Jamie Carragher. 
No, doesn't no, nothing could do that. <laughs> He's ruined Monday Night Football for me. I used to love that program. Love Hour of Gary Neville on his own. I love Jamie. Oh, that's nice. You're supposed to though, aren't you? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, for the same reason yeah. that you love schools. Yeah, absolutely. Um well mm, I'm gonna argue that my inherent love of the football artist is more of a reason that I love skulls than your inherent love of a football artist is why you love Jamie Carragher. <laughs> well, mine's a bit more abstract than yours. <laughs> Maybe it's more Jackson Pollock is, Jamie. I don't know. I think he's a bit more Route 1 than that. He's a bit more direct. He's much more like a solid portrait painter. More Edward Hopper. Yeah, right. Except when skulls is like Monet, you know, just making incomparable beauty happen in front of your very eyes. Yeah, Zidane is Monet. Or Suzanne. All right, well, Zidane can be Cezanne and Skulls can be Money. I tell you, when you're finished here, go on YouTube and look at the BBC's Euro 2004 um, trailer. Yeah. Because... It's lovely, that is. Do you remember it, do you? Yeah, it's all arty and that. Yeah, with um, Desiree playing. Oh, classic. Classic mid-2000s scenes. Yeah, but the problem is with that Desiree song is it goes on strictly in X Factor every week now, but people just ruin. Oh. It's just not the same as it was when we were young. Not that we were even young <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's two points from four games they had, City, and they've done it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, they, the, the, the turnaround against Bayern was huge, obviously. Uh, and would you really be massively shocked if City went on a run now and won the whole thing? Yes. I mean, it's... it's a, really? Because I... Cause I, I I don't. I'm not saying they're favourites or anything, because obviously you, it's hard to look beyond Munich and Chelsea and Barcelona and Bayern. I'll be very surprised if Man City won. Yeah, I'll be very surprised if Man City won it against ahead of any of those teams. Even PSG, I'll be very surprised if PSG won it against any of those teams. I, I think City have got a better chance than PSG because I, th- I think City are building a bit this season as well. They've been a little bit less shambolic in the league as well. Um, they're without Aguero, but not for nearly as long as people thought they would. And Silver coming back is massive for them. I was with um, uh, Rob Pollard, who writes about City for Bleach Report a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying um, that everyone who doesn't support City thinks that Aguero is their best player, but everyone that supports City thinks that Silver's their best player because he's really the one who makes things happen. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I can imagine. Yeah, Guerra wouldn't have the goals if it wasn't for silver service. No, Sil- absolutely. Silver, silver silver service. Service. Nice. <laughs> oh man, there's got to be a headline in that, isn't there? I'd love to think I did that on purpose. Silver service, Aguero gold. Ag- well, Aguero, Aguero. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of losing it now. Uh, yeah, I've ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> I think De Rossi's got to be one of my top five coolest players in world football. That's so good. I, he, he was heavily linked with United a little while ago when all midfielders in Europe were heavily linked with United. And that was one that he really wanted to have. Oh, definitely. He is quite cool. I like his beard. I'm a, as a fellow beardy. I've I've seen your beard in real life. It is an impressive beard. It's, uh, De Rossi would give you the nod. Like If you walk past him in the street, he'd be like, yep, yeah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Totally. You're in the club. Me and De Rossi. We're, we're on nodding terms. Yeah. Um. Well, that's the Champions League. Other bits of news from around the world this week. Uh, the Qatari ambassador has written for um, uh, to Germany has written to the German FA to complain about its demands for um, better working conditions for for uh, labourers working at the Qatar uh, building Qatari stadiums. The CEO of the Qatari bid has said it's all better now because we've had no more deaths. 
which is if that's the best thing you can say about your working conditions that nobody else has died imagine you got to write a letter saying i'm complaining about you complaining about human rights records yeah <laughs> be like writing for the sun or something it's not good yes no uh, Jay Barton received death threats while playing in Marseille. Police had rounded up 12 million suspects, I should imagine. But <laughs> Did you see his magnificent tweet about it? Uh, something Because the reckon that the guy did it must have stuck his um, French through Google Translate to come out in English, and Barton was complaining about his grammar. But he also said, I really wanted to write back, do you want some? Because I'll give it you, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Imagine having him play at your football club. Unfortunately, I don't have to. Oh, yeah. Oh, that must be uh, unfortunate. He kind of, uh, like, he's the, the yang to Rio Ferdinand's beautiful, magnificent yin. No, Rio Ferdinand can't get in the team at the moment. I'm so glad. We've got Richard Dunn and Stephen Corker at the back at the moment, <laughs> which is great, because Stephen Corker's quite sort of not a bad player. He's a pretty good player, and Richard Dunn does what Richard Dunn does best, which is just stand in the way. The thing is, Rio Ferdinand is easily the best English defender of his generation, like easily not even close. Our Richard Dunn's Irish. Yeah, no, sure, <laughs> right. He's been kept out of the side by a uh, pensionable Richard Dunn and Stephen Corker, but I reckon he's doing a ton for morale behind the scenes. Yeah, he read the sports news on Radio One today, wearing one of his five caps. Did you see the, uh, the QPR Christmas video, which must surely be the biggest news of this week? I didn't see the video, but I heard about all the fun and games that went on. It's magnificent. So uh, please, everybody, stop what you're doing and Google the Christmas video of Quiz Park Rangers. It's the several members of the squad. It's called, it was described in the papers as a QPR cover of uh, Slade's Merry Christmas, everybody. It's not a cover, it's karaoke. They're just, not even karaoke, they're lip syncing. It's a lip dub by the QPR team. And uh, Harry Redknapp shouts it's Christmas at the end. And it's special. It is special. I like it when teams do stuff like this. We talked last Me week too. about the um, uh, Napoli's 2015 calendar, which is some kind of um, gladiator tribute. It's good. It's good. It's nice. It's good sort of team building and morale. and we, We're good for that at United at the moment. We, Anderson and, and Herrera carried Falcao into training the other day, making a like a human sedan chair for him, <laughs> which is finally a use for Anderson in the United squad. But... It's um, it, I I like it too. I think it, it speaks well of a team. But Rio Ferdinand's exceptional moment in that video is well worth uh, the price of admission. Joe Barton's in it too, looking like he would rather be anywhere else in the whole entire world. <laughs> well, if it means being with Rio Ferdinand, I can understand why he thinks that. Oh, come on! No, I'm honest, not having it. He's I'm not, not having it. He's drawing a lot of money from us without doing very much. Yeah, but you get to say that you're the team you supported had Rio Ferdinand playing for it, and that is an honour and a privilege. Listen, the team I supported had Kevin Gallon playing for it. There is no greater <laughs> honour. <laughs> I I, I um, had a tear in the eye, I must admit. I went to the United game against QPR when we won 4 0 early in the season, and uh, at the end, because Rio was pretty ignominious, I can't even think of what that word is. Ignominiously, that's it. Ignominious. <laughs> ignominiously uh, thrown out of, of of United and never got any fuss at the end of the season. Uh, Vidic, who everyone knew was leaving, got a big fuss, but Rio didn't, so many people thought he was staying. But So they made a bit of a fuss when he came back with QPR, and uh, at the end of the game, everyone's walked off, and he's just there, and the crowd are chanting his name, and he goes to go through the tunnel, stops, 
points up at the Manchester United badge above the tunnel and walks into the tunnel. What a man, what a moment. Oh, you see, I thought you were going to say, when you talked about QPR at Man United, I thought you were going to mention New Year's Day 92. My first ever live uh, Manchester United game, that. Was it? <laughs> it was. Not a good start. No. The younger listeners, which basically is everyone. Apart from us. Everyone who knows how to download a podcast is younger <laughs> than us. Um, uh, we lost, we being United, lost 4-1 to a Dennis Bailey-inspired QPR. United were in the running for the league title that season. This was before it became automatically assumed that United would be in the running for the league title. And they were abysmal. Lee Sharp looked as hungover as anyone I've ever seen play football. The only bright spark for United in that game was Ryan Giggs's cameo. A very, very young Ryan Giggs. Who scored for you that day? I'll give you 10p if you can tell me. Oh, I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, Brian McLean. Oh, I owe you 10p. Yes! <laughs> I watched QPR the week la- a week later. I saw them against Coventry. And it was awful. It was freezing cold, raining, and they were 2-0 down with 10 minutes left. And thankfully drew to all, but God, it was awful. I really enjoyed the Stretford End singing Let's Pretend We've Scored a Goal. Let's Pretend We've Scored a Goal. Go, yeah! <laughs> that was you could stand stand in the terraces that day. My first ever live football match was Nottingham Forest Man City when um, Gary Crosby headed the ball out of Andy Dibble's hands. Nice! Yeah, oh, that um, was good. My first ever was Everton 2, Birmingham City 0 at St Andrews in Birmingham. Uh, Gary, ne- Gary Lineker scoring the two goals for Everton past David Seaman in the Birmingham City Nets. Ah, well, Mark's, Mark's favourite ever Everton player. Right. Gary it's, Lineker. It's a, very, it's a very fine choice of favourite ever player. <laughs> if you only know him from uh, bad puns and crisp adverts, he was a hell of a footballer once. He was. He wasn't bad. Um, Palmer have been deducted a point for failing to pay their players' wages. Going back to November 2013... Uh, and to teach them a lesson, their president and their director are in 5,000 5, euros each. That's not an awful lot, is it? It's like they find not... 200 pounds of racism or whatever it is. <laughs> CSK, yeah. Yeah. A, a point is a pretty insubstantial deduction as oh, well. well. They say that. Of... 2012 title race. <laughs> Again, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we didn't even need a point in that one. We just needed a goal. <laughs> Uh, and Bastia are present. Bastia are currently bottom of the league and uh, their president, Pierre-Marc, Pierre-Marie Geronimi, which is a fantastic name, it's good. has been arrested as part of an ongoing investigation into club finances. Now, this is involving funding of uh, artificial pitches and the club training ground. So he's been a naughty boy. Um, what they should have done, of course, is followed the Real Madrid school of um, being 290 million euros in debt and buying the, getting the city council to buy the training ground off them for 480 million euros. Yeah, it's a good idea, that. Yeah, always help. It's, in fairness, it's worked out incredibly, incredibly well for them. Yeah. And actually, the City Council probably just about end up getting their money's worth by one extent or another. If, you're, if your aim is to promote Madrid as a city, having all them Galacticos swanning about the place can't hurt and winning the Champions League and all that malarkey. Of course, if you're a Atletico Madrid taxpayer... <laughs> it's going to stick in the core a bit, isn't it? But you won the league last season, so there's that. That's true. That's true. Well, the thing that always got me about that was all the hipsters saying that um, they got a lower wage bill than QPR, but QPR weren't sponsored by um, uh, Azerbaijan Airways and all the problems that come with that. I, I know you've had a, a multiple digs at hipsters today. We do. And yeah, oh. I, I've, I've seen your beard, Chris. That's not a hipster's beard. 
okay. I, at first glance, that could definitely be mistaken for one. Well, I, ha- I had a uh, an operation last year. I had a hernia operation, which sounds like some kind of footballer's operation. I was off work yeah. for three weeks, and I thought, well, I'm not going to bother shaving. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to bother shaving when I go back to work. So I've sort of let it go. But of course, down here in Cornwall, everyone's got a beard. <laughs> Even the women. <laughs> the hip- hipster fisherman look. Yeah, you should see my wife. <laughs> Uh, we now move on to the part of the show, um, which is our Premier League predictions. Now, each week, um, myself, Mark and Emma uh, predict where the particular fixture for the forthcoming weekend fixtures will be, the Premier League, will be a win, a loss or a draw. Um, and we get a point for each correct one. Mark had a shocker of a week last week. Uh, he only got two right. He's on 54 points. Emma got six or seven right. And she's on 55 now. And I'm lagging behind on 48. So I, I volunteered to represent either Mark or Emma at this since since they weren't here and was told in no uncertain terms that that would not be welcome because of the furiously competitive nature of this game. Well, Mark's already emailed me his predictions. And if you think you're predicting Emma's, then it's, it's her <laughs> you've got to answer to, not me. OK, OK. <laughs> I'm going to come up with an alternate set for myself that's like what you could have won for Emma. Go on, then. I'll do that then because I've I've written mine down here. So okay. um, I, I'll, I'll do what um, you could have done. Like look what she could have won if she gets if she doesn't get any right this week. Exactly. Although uh, anyone that listens to my podcast will know I have a truly horrendous record at this. Right. Let me draw a little, a little column for Paul. Um, well, our first fixture is double points. We started doing this in recent weeks. We're finding a fixture. Um, I've, I've gone for fixtures in Europe the last couple of weeks. Um, we're going to predict the actual score for. If you get it right, you get double point, uh, double points. We did. See, I, I'm not sure I approve of this because you're adding a, a high variance element to an otherwise extremely skill based game. Well, this came from the other week when um, uh, Ross, our Uber Fuhrer and owner of Man on the Post, came on, so I couldn't really disagree. The okay, problem was, is for the last since the start of the season, we hadn't done this, and Emma was in the lead. And she was vociferously against this. And now she wasn't in the lead and she needed the points again. So, <laughs> so she was in favour of yeah, it. So See, that, that's, that's the thing. When you're not winning, high variance appeals is extremely appealing. Yeah, well, we went for the Milan Derby first week. Mark got the one-all draw right. Last week we did Espanyol-Barcelona and nobody got it right. Uh, and this week we're going to go for Benfica-Porto. Hmm, I feel a little under-informed. I could tell you the things I know about the Portuguese league this season. Uh, Nani scored quite a lot of goals in Europe. Yeah. Well, that's it. I've just run out of all the facts I know about the Portuguese <laughs> league. Well, you told me Bebe plays for Benfica. Yeah, Bebe does play for Benfica. Or at least Bebe is uh, on the books at Benfica. Whether he's actually playing or not, I have no idea. Uh, Nani went to Sporting on a free loan as part of the Marcus Rocco. Like, free as in sport united are paying his full wages for the season and yet benfica paid actual money for bebe uh and yet they're top of the league so well they're not the only ones to pay actual money for bebe are they <laughs> no no I, I we definitely shouldn't be talking about this in a, a manner in which could then be played in a court of law and <laughs> accused of libel or slander or whatever the one is where you speak um so mark has gone 2-1 for uh, Benfica. I've gone for two all. Emma's not given me anything yet, so um... I'm going three nil Benfica. You're going three nil. Yeah, Bebe hat trick, obviously. Oh, of, course, of course, I'm going to write that down. You get four points if. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> That's first v second. That's Benfica in first versus Porto in second. Uh, so first fixture of the weekend is Burnley Southampton. Now Mark's gone for a draw. I'm going for Southampton. Um, 
Mm, that's a really interesting one. I think the the key issue here is how helpful was Ronald Koeman's Christmas jumper to team spirit? Because bouncing back immediately from the defeat uh, against Manchester United, he was pictured on Tuesday wearing an absolutely smashing Christmas jumper, giving it the thumbs up. The Christmas jumper had a battery pack and was a light. It was a, a beautiful sight to behold. I've got the thing with Ronald Koeman in the fact that he's a bit like Gary Neville in the fact he spent 20 years hating them and then discovering he's actually all right. <laughs> um, I've, I've hated Ronald Koeman since that World Cup qualifier. Um, you... I don't know if you know the story. Uh, Van Gaal and Ronald Koeman, as was talked about a lot before the game on Monday, uh, had a massive falling out when Koeman was the manager and Van Gaal was the director of football at Ajax because Van Gaal used to basically pull up a pew and watch training and shout at the players Mm. and stuff, even though Koeman was supposed to be the manager. I think even though it goes against my principles, I might be team Koeman on this one. Then uh, (laughs) Ronald Koeman buys a patch of land on the Algarve Builds a house, lovely. Van Gaal rocks up, buys his next door plot of land, builds a bigger house just <laughs> despite Ronald Koeman. So if Koeman's recovered from that, I'll go for a Southampton win. You go for Southampton. Well, they worked together at Barcelona as well, didn't they? They did. They were friends then because Koeman was the assistant mm. at that. Point. Well, that's where but... they fell out as well, wasn't it? No, no, they didn't fall out until Ajax. It was they oh. they they got on very well, in fact, at Barcelona and. Uh, but it was once Koeman had to kind of stand up to Van Gaal, and Van Gaal did not like it. He's, I think he he's genuinely matured a bit since those days, um, and I think we, we're getting Van Gaal at, at the right time. But anyway, well, there's a bit in the um, Ronald Ren, Roland Ren book about uh, Robert Enke about Van Gaal, and um, right. uh, he signed for Barcelona from I think it's Porto, wasn't it? Or he was in Portugal, wasn't he? And he signed for Barcelona, and he couldn't get in the team, even though he, he assumed he'd be first choice. You lot were in for him as well, apparently, uh, for Enke. Right. And um, the deal was done without Van Gaal's knowledge. Uh, and Van Gaal, like no, he wasn't very happy. And of course, the only game he really played was this cup game against a lower division team, and they lost. And Enke took the absolute brunt of it, and uh. it sent him into his uh, his first depression, unfortunately. Not Van Hal, but you know, Van, it is a mixture of Van Hal and this game and his own self belief and everything. And then a young Victor Valdez got his debut. Right. Yeah, I think generally speaking, the people writing Van Gaal's story tell the bit about how he gave Van- Valdez his debut, not how he ruined Robert Enker's <laughs> life forever. You know? well, I don't think he ruined his life. I think it's probably a bit hard on Van Hal, but I don't think he yeah, sort of. I think so too. I don't think he contributed at that particular point in time. Yeah. That's it. Have you not read that? That's an awesome book. I, I no, I've not read it by choice. Uh, I, I know it's an awesome book. It's just that's a, that's a tough story. Mm, it is. It's incredibly tough. But if you do get the choice, then it's a very good book. Um, Chelsea Hull. Is this just Mayor Chelsea or um, you make obviously? A case for that, no, no, no. But you no. <laughs> not not only can I not make a case for Hull, but anyone who tries to make a case for Hull is. I mean, United versus Hull the other week because United's best performance of the season, but Hull were absolutely cast iron, terrible in that game. And and you know I speak as one who loves Steve Bruce, but no, obviously that's going to be if that's. The only reason that Chelsea are going to stop scoring goals in that game is because they'll do that Chelsea thing of being like, oh, yeah, bad enough now. Don't need to exert any more energy to win this game. Yeah. Well, I do like reading out Hall fixtures because it gives me a chance to give a shout out to the Steve Bruce at Weddings Twitter account. Have you seen this? <laughs> yes, I have. It's lovely. <laughs> um, Palace v Stoke. Oh, the Tony, Tony Pulis. Pulis Memorial Derby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Stoke were quite good against United. Then they were very good against Arsenal. Uh, Palace have rarely been bad this season. Uh, I think that's 1-0 Stoke. 1-0 Stoke? Yeah. Mm. Although Palace have got all these gorgeous attacking notes. It's not a very Neil Warnocky side, is it? They've got all these ridiculous flair players in the side who are, who are super fun to watch. Like Schumacher. Yeah, well, it, yes. it is fun to watch, if only for his hair. <laughs> Balassi, though, and Zaha, are, yeah. you know, a lot, lot of really exciting attacking talent at Palace. Like, they're, they're a fun side. Palace is 15th, Stoke are 13th. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a huge amount. Well, there's four points, but not a massive amount between them. No, I, Stoke are a confusing side this season. They really are. I think they're, they are in a team very much in transition because Hughes is trying to... Destokeify them a bit. Well, um, signing Bojan will do that. Yeah, oh, he's great. I love, I love Bojan. Yeah, I always get him a championship manager. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, in the last couple of years, his, his stats have taken a bit of a beating, haven't they? So it's uh, it's it's good to see him. It's good to see him scoring some goals. I always believe in him. You said Stoke, didn't you, for this? Uh, yeah, Stoke one now. Yeah, I've gone for Palace. Oh, why did I write that down? I've gone. I'll still, I'll still go for Palace. I could definitely. I, I am not confident about picking Stoke to win that. Mm. Um, next one is Leicester Manchester City. This could be the Paul Dickoff derby. <laughs> yes, um, I I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you that I believe that Manchester City are going to win this football match. No way. Yeah. Will this be Nigel Pearson's last game in charge as a Leicester manager? I mean, that would be really ridiculous since he absolutely walked the championship with them a really a famously difficult league to get out of and he, they were the best side by a mile um i, I think it would be crazy to sack pearson but they've already sacked him once yeah but to do it now i mean i i guess it's kind of a miracle that we've got this far into the season and no managers have been sacked and i think just so much of that has got to do with the fact that um, Aston Villa are for sale. Like, I think <laughs> if they weren't, Paul Lambert would have smashed that record. But uh, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I guess it could be because someone's got to go pretty soon, haven't they? Otherwise, it's just going to be silly. Well, Adam on the Sunday show has, has come up with a theory, which is that it's basically racist who could get Tony Pulis first. So <laughs> yeah. if you sack your manager now, then you can have Pulis in place by uh, the new year, by w- in which point he's had a little bit of time to... Look through the squad, see who he fancies, doesn't fancy, and then of course he's got a whole month of a transfer window in which to do something about it. Mm. So now is the ideal time to get rid of him. I think this is sound logic, mm. but I think sacking Nigel Pearson, the, the whole thing about, I, like, I was very adamant that United should act quickly on Moyes, and I'm very relieved and delighted that they did, and we're having a much nicer time because of it. But that doesn't just mean that then you think that managers should always be sacked all the time. Mm. Because the the one thing that is very confusing to me is teams whose managers do extremely well in the championship, get them up, and then the manager gets sacked for not being able to keep a team in the Premier League at the first time of asking. Because I, I think that's a fairly ridiculous uh, barometer to set. Yeah, but normally those managers don't tell their fans to F off and die. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, the flip side of that is the kind of fan who just gives out and thinks he's just allowed to give out all the time. And as soon as someone says something back to him, gets all hot and bothered about it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Sunderland, West Ham. West Ham were fantastic last week. I watched this. So good. Yeah. I was at a children's party. And normally they're hell on earth. But thankfully it was at a bowling alley and they had the football on. So I managed to watch this. 
Um, but they were great. Andy Carroll was unplayable, really. Uh, he, he's got that in his locker, hasn't he, as they say. Mm. I'm I'm quite glad for him, really, because he's had a hell of a time. Yeah. With his legs and all that sort of trouble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I they're doing the exact thing that Big Sam did at Bolton, where by stealth he turn, he makes them very functional, impossible to beat, not impossible, but, you know, tough to break down and all that stuff. And then he starts to gradually add little bits of flair. Uh, eventually, JJ Okocha is going to rock up at Upton Park, isn't oh, he? Oh, I hope so. You're a Jokoyaf as well. Oh, what team that was! That was a fantastic Eddie days again ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> more, more. I think I don't um, think you're far. No, and they had Nakata as well, didn't they? Oh, that's just ridiculous. But yeah, that's the big Sam way, and and he's he's pegged as a long ball man, and he's certainly not afraid of a long ball. But he's a reactive coach. He he's pretty good at adapting his side based on the circumstances, and he does try and build teams eventually that, that play good football and, and West Ham are doing that and a good time to be a West Ham fan mm. well Stuart Downing six assists this season that's as many as Di Maria and Sacco seven goals amazing that's a lot more than Falcao sadly yeah. I, I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Sacco's better than Falcao though um, it's, but it's no cheaper. I, yes everyone's cheaper than Falcao but you get what you pay for by which I mean the moral warm feeling inside from Falcao being around the place <laughs> he makes you feel warm like ready break he does yeah, exactly <laughs> See, you ever seen the picture of him swimming with a dolphin it's absolutely magnificent <laughs> <laughs> he's a magnificent man I don't care if his knee's made out of cream crackers it's <laughs> he's f- fantastic but anyway sorry we were talking about Sunderland West Ham what do you reckon uh, it's, you know a Sunderland victory would be a huge shock wouldn't it yeah. so I'm going to go for a West Ham win there. West Ham. What did I do? I went for a draw. Um, oh, interesting. You think Sunderland are going to pull one out of the bag then? I, I find Sunderland probably the most difficult team to predict, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for some reason, you just never know which Sunderland are going to turn up. Uh, next, I think this probably could be, judging uh, by your accent, one for you. West Brom versus Villa. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have absolutely thick Bromley accent. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hide those uh, elongated syllables. Um <laughs> Motel was on fire. I think that um, I don't know. It's difficult for me to call this one as as a, a, a West Midlands United fan. I've always had an affection for West Bromwich Albion because of Brian Robson, basically. Um, and well, Villa so have Tom Cleverley, and they had Peter Schmeichel and Derek yeah. Jemba Jemba. They had Peter Schmeichel during his baddie phase, though. Um, and poor old Tom Cleverley, I, I no malice towards that young man, but uh, no, I think I'm predicting a West Brom win here. Although Villa have been on decent-ish, slight run of form since they lost uh, the incredible motivating <laughs> force of the terrifying Roy Keane. I don't think he did anything in that changing room other than stand and stare at them while Paul Lambert gave out a team talk. I think that Roy Keane would be incredible at managing... Bayern Munich or Barcelona or even United, you know, a team full of superstars. Yeah. But but I do think there is a problem with his relationship with players that are not good enough. Yeah. Um, because not being good <clears throat> enough for Roy Keane, even if he's, I don't think he's giving out and shouting. I think you know he's not he's not some sort of caged animal or anything. But I think you would not be able to hide his underlying disappointment. No. I think, yeah, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that one. I've gone for an Aston Villa win. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, I think that's reasonable. I'm going to go for a draw, actually. Okay. I changed my answer and go for a draw. I think that'll be a draw. Go on, then. 
Uh, Arsenal Newcastle. Now, my seven-year-old daughter helped me with this, put this stuff together earlier on, as you may or may not be able to tell. Um, she's gone for a Newcastle win, but it's at the Emirates. Mm, yeah. I, is this? Is this? Do you remember when um, there was that semi-final when uh, Chelsea played Porto, and it was Mourinho against Ranieri in the Champions mm. League, and it was basically a game that decided who would have the Chelsea job the following season. Yes. I feel like this is the game that decides who's going to have the Arsenal job next season. Well, Will Wenger keep it or is Big Pards coming in? <laughs> Isn't he Wenger's natural successor in every way? You think? No. <laughs> I don't know how I don't... you're going. I, I, don't know you're... I don't know if you're going to be serious or not with that. <laughs> no, I, I just find it an amusing flight of fancy to consider what Pardew would be like at Arsenal. Loads of Arsenal fans are really unhappy with Wenger. It's like, careful what you wish yeah, for. Yeah, imagine that first day of August next year. In comes Pardew. Well, you said get rid of him. We got rid of him. We got... <laughs> <laughs> You've got a real manager now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, sec- yeah. second in the form table. There, who are they second to? Uh, I don't know. Uh, is it you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we've won five on the bounce. That's um, it's us. <clears throat> Chelsea lost a game. I don't. Um, they're still going to win the league by miles, but <laughs> we'll skip over that. Um, uh, Newcastle to win. Oh, Come on, you're going to side uh, with a seven-year-old girl. Up the tune. I'm mostly just siding with the concept of Arsenal being hilarious. The thing is, the thing about Arsenal is that you can be assured of hilarity where Arsenal are involved. And easily the funniest result of this weekend will be if Newcastle beat Arsenal at the Emirates. There's a big N next to your name. I've gone gone for Arsenal because I've actually got points riding on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm only interested in comedy. (laughs) Points are meaningless to me. It's a good job that I didn't do these for Emma because she wouldn't be able <laughs> well speaking of comedy Liverpool um, they're away at Manchester United now again my seven year old daughter who's helped me with this she's gone for Liverpool <laughs> um, but she she also went for Newcastle <laughs> I'm not signing with her this time though um, can we have a little bit of a chat about this game then since the two of us are here talking no, about this no we can't <laughs> are you are you at all optimistic no it's not at the Coliseum for a start it's at your place Right, um, not the theatre of noise and excitement that is Anfield. How? I mean, I'm not particularly into into fan point scoring because I think it pretty much all descends into we're all the same essentially. But I was genuinely shocked by how quiet Anfield was. Uh, Old Trafford not got the best atmosphere, although it is marginally improved since uh, we stopped winning stuff. Um, the uh, the atmosphere sounded completely flat at Anfield. I thought it sounded better than um, oh the game against Madrid. I think it's the, the right. Madrid game was like a morgue. Yeah. It was a little bit better this time, but I know exactly this season hasn't been at all what the European nights normally are like. No, I, I wonder why that is. It seems it seems an odd thing after trying to get back there for so long. I, I have to say, I, I think when Champions League re- football returns to Old Trafford, it's going to be pretty loud in there. One of the loudest noises I've ever heard in my life was the quarterfinal against Bayern Munich the other uh, the other season, last season. I was sat in the lower tier of the Stretford end and just this incredible, ear-shattering noise sweeping in from above. Um, it's a shame that that doesn't happen every week, but... Uh, Still pretty amazing when it does happen, but yeah, I was, I was genuinely not in a kind of point scoring way. No, just no, a I understand. Legitimate surprise way. Well, I was. I mean, I think that the probably loudest I've heard your guys was um, after Nanny got sent off against Real Madrid. That five minutes or so afterwards, we all felt the injustice. Yeah, Giggs waving was... his arms to G you all up. 
Yeah, and Fergie, instead of... Oh, it's a shame to pick holes in the great man's legacy, but... Um, no, no, let's do it. <laughs> and when I say great man, I mean great manager. Um, <laughs> um, but he kind of runs onto the touchline, <clears throat> he's fuming at the at the fourth official and just going absolutely ballistic. And he turned around and did the arms waves to get everyone going. Mm. But what Mourinho did in that moment was to make a change and it was his change that led directly to the goal. And actually, if Ferguson had somehow found a way to keep his head, um, I think that United might not have lost that game. But anyway, that's a, a long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Would you like a, uh, would you like a stat? Yeah, I'd love one. Uh have your ten home, of your ten goals you scored at home this season, eight of them have come in the last thirty minutes. Have we only scored ten goals at home? Well, no, that doesn't sound right. Because four of them came against QPR. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels like we've scored more than that. But uh... well, it says it says here eight out of ten home goals have been in the last yeah. thirty minutes. It kind of makes sense actually, because uh, we beat Everton two. No. Because we, we beat Crystal Palace 1-0, we beat Hull 3-0, beat Stoke 2-1, beat Everton 2-1, beat West Ham 2-1. I've got to four goal, 10 goals already, so right, well, if, that's, that's, that's incorrect. If you're listing EPL stat zone, I'm never going to visit you again. <laughs> we have, however, uh, scored a lot of goals at home uh, late on in games. We've also been way, way better at home than we've been away. And I was looking at some stats um, for this. I'm writing something about Rodgers and Van Gaal and... Um, Liverpool's percentage of long passes is almost identical at home and away. It's 11% at home and 12% away. United's is 11% at home, but it's 16% away from home. United have really been essentially launching it uh, whenever they face difficult opposition away from home. But at Old Trafford, they've they've kept the ball a lot better and attacked a lot more on the ground. And what I'm really hoping is that Van Gaal, with, again, not this, I don't mean this in a point scory way, but I really hope he doesn't give Liverpool too much respect. Liverpool There's no chance are, of that. <laughs> absolute, no, there really is a chance of that, though. Because of the... the. I mean, I think he gave Southampton too much respect um, and it led to a really poor performance because I, I think he should have just stuck with four at the back and tried to impose our game on Southampton. Um, and if he doesn't do that against Liverpool, I think you've got a chance. But if we line up with four at the back <clears> and Di Maria back in the midfield and firing, I think... If United, United should just try and outscore Liverpool because I, I really think they can. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think you've got much um, argument there. I think from Liverpool's point of view, I think he picked the wrong team the other day. He left Lallana on the bench, uh, Chan and um, uh, Coutinho were on the bench. Barini didn't even get a look in. I think something may have happened between Barini and, and Rogers because right. when Barini played at the new Camp, he looked quite lively and, and quite up for it. There's no Balotelli, there's no... Sturridge still, unfortunately. So I think we need some kind of pace up there because the only way I can think the only way I can think Lambert might work is you've got your defensive issues at the moment, haven't you? It's not like he's, you're playing Lambert against Village and Ferdinand. You're playing Lambert against uh, Rocco and somebody like McNair or somebody, aren't you? Yeah, uh, somebody like McNair. I think it's probably going to be Rocco and Johnny Evans that that play. Yeah, probably if he plays back four, but. Um, United's defensive issues, as I sort of hinted at earlier, have been slightly overstated this season. We've given away a lot of shots on goal and a lot of them should have turned into goals. So that is quite bad. But there have been periods of time where we've played with back four where we've looked pretty solid. Um, and, and really a lot of United's problems have been about fluidity. And, and I think basically the Leicester game where we were absolutely brilliant for half an hour 
um, and then just fell apart has given this impression that that's what it's always like at United, but it's really not. It, the, the main problem has been about attacking cohesion and attacking fluency. He's not got the balance right between all his superstars up front. There's been real big issues of form. Rooney and Van Persie have alternated atrocious form this season. Um, and Falcao's obviously not been able to have a great big impact because he was recovering from injury when he arrived and then he was basically trying too hard and did a calf muscle and has really been struggling to get back from that. Uh, I really hope that we see a good period of Falcao uh, against Liverpool because I think he'll just have too much for him. I think our defence would be on a hiding to nothing against yours. The only way I can really see us doing anything against you is... The onus is on you to attack, being the home team, and you can obviously, yeah. you can obviously do that. And you've got your fullbacks pushing forward. If we can get Sterling overlapping beyond Shaw, uh, who can play some kind of decent ball into uh, Lambert in the middle, um, or maybe some pace with Barini and play a ball into Lambert in the middle, getting behind your fullbacks, then that's really the only only way I can see you scoring. Plus, then you've got the problem of getting the ball by, by De Gea as well. I mean, the the thing is, they're not even fullbacks because it's not going to be Raphael and Shaw. It's going to be Valencia and Young mm. uh, uh, left back, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he's been playing this back five because um, because he doesn't want to expose the fullbacks to uh, the the full fullback role, if you like. He, he wants that extra cover for because there's there's just been so many injuries, um, and he he doesn't trust Blackett or Rocco at left back, so he's uh, he's been playing Ashley Young there and and actually has been some of Young's best performances for United which is kind of a remarkable thing um, but you definitely could get some joy down the flanks because mm. Valencia will go wandering he's a you know people say he's a, he's okay there but I, I don't rate him right back at all one tiny teeny bit no Mark's gone for a draw I've gone for yourselves yeah I'd go for United win uh, for sure. I will be watching this one with my fingers over my eyes as if I'm watching Daleks on the Doctor Who or something. But the way this season's going, I wouldn't be surprised to see Liverpool click and United fall apart in this one either. You know, it's like entirely possible that could happen. But I can't conceive it will be as bad as the uh, the 3-0 destruction that you uh, wrought on us last season. Yeah, which was all for nothing in the end. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst. I just want it noted that I didn't bring that up. <laughs> Uh, Swansea Tottenham now of course Tottenham playing on the Thursday uh, myself and Mark have gone for Swansea yeah I mean Swansea are just better than Tottenham as well that's the other thing about that one. Oh yeah there is that as well and then the final game of the weekend it is Monday night this is this is uh, Everton at home to uh, Queen, the Queen's White Rangers the Richard Dunn derby I can't think of anybody else that's played for both teams I, I was thinking in the in the last one there was someone as well uh, it, who has played for both teams. Sigurdsson. What was the last picture? Yes, exactly. It's the Gilfie Sigerson derby. Um, yeah, so mm, it's a home win, isn't it? Sorry, I'm back in home wins against both of your teams. Uh, yeah, I've gone for QPR. Mark's gone for a draw. Okay, but you're going to go for Everton as well, because of course we've just been discussing the Michael Owen derby, haven't we? <laughs> we, yeah, oh and because of your manager's previous manager's stubbornness, we'll never ever get to discuss the Gabriel Ainsley derby. It's not stubbornness to not sell good players to Liverpool. It's sound business practice. It was your left back. As if anyone cares about a left back. We all care about... It doesn't matter who you are. We're not selling you to Liverpool. <laughs> Bebe. You could have had Bebe, I reckon, at a push. We'd probably take Anderson. Him. Any interest in Anderson? Can I interest you in Anderson? All right. 
We'll have Anderson. You can have Steven Gerrard. I definitely don't want him. <laughs> definitely not. That'd have to be Anderson for Steven Gerrard plus about 60 million. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I would be genuinely heartbroken if Anderson went to Liverpool. I don't think I could take it. Would you? Yeah, it's like it'd be like Fred the Red going to Liverpool. You know, you can't sell your mascot to your rival team. I'd take Gunnosaurus. Yeah, that's... I, I wouldn't. I, I would never betray Fred the Red like that. Wouldn't you? I don't even, no. I don't even know what Liverpool mascot is thinking about it. <laughs> I, I I saw Fred the Red dancing with a massive bowl of noodles earlier this season at Old Trafford because modern football is terrible. <laughs> but it, it was a sight that will live with me forever. I and, I once saw Philbert Fox getting dressed, so I saw him or the person underneath. There is no person underneath. There is only the Philbert Fox. <laughs> I was heartbroken. <laughs> I imagine how old were you at the About time? Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was quite old, but you know he had a girlfriend for a while. He had Vicky Vixen for a while. I thought you meant the actual person. No, well, presumably he saw. Well, presumably whoever seen the person underneath Vicky Vixen didn't make a dress up. You, you'd think that it would be like a fundamental requirement of the role of Philbert Fox and Vicky Vixen that they had to be like a couple, the people under the under the outfits. Otherwise. Just it's all meaningless, isn't it? Well, I always thought books these were couples. Were they not? I don't think they were, were they? Oh, you've broken my heart. <laughs> you've passed on the Philbert Fox heartbreak to me. I'm sorry. What about Brotherhood of Man? Were they? I don't. Rem- I honestly don't remember them. I don't believe it. No. Wasn't wasn't that Save All Your Kisses for Me? I'm pretty sure that's Brotherhood of Man. I know that song. I've never heard of Brotherhood of Man. Okay. Okay. One of my favourite things to talk about bands from years gone by, David Beckham was giving a press conference. Remember all the height of the um, undroppable Beckham and Sven and all this sort of thing? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and all the sort of celebrity and wags. And uh, he had a go at a, a journalist in a press conference and said, well, how many members of your family have had a number one single? And the journalist said, one. He said, sister son backing vocals on Video Killed the Radio Star. That is an amazing, <laughs> amazing story. I'm so glad I heard I that. I can't remember who it was. It's like, it's like Rob Shepherd or some like national journalist or somebody. But it was very <laughs> oh, even Beckham left. Beautiful. <laughs> the answer won, not the answer anyone was exactly. expecting. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Man on the Post podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure to have. Oh, you're really welcome. Thank you. It's been super fun. Thanks for having me. And when we have that wire. Football crossover podcast. You can come back on. I want to. That'd be good. Let's. Should we just do a wire podcast? Yes. Oh, a wire rewatch podcast. That's a good idea. I haven't got time to do another podcast. Otherwise, I'd be like, yes, come on, let's do oh, it. Oh, definitely, definitely. There's um, be something in that. Thank you for having me on, and I hope that my results uh, proved to have would have been the winner out of everyone's, and then I can claim the whole season as a victory just on the strength of that one result. You can retire undefeated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not going to happen though, is it? Because Newcastle aren't going to beat Arsenal. Who am I kidding? You never know. You never know. Well, if anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, well, how do they? How, what's your uh, username? At UTD Wankcast. So I, I would recommend that you don't follow me if you really hate Man United. That you won't get any joy out of it because uh, I'm generally nice about Man United. Or if you like it when football fans are really horrible to fans of other clubs, I don't do that. Or if you really hate Christmas, don't follow me either, because uh, there's there's a lot of Christmas-based content between now and the end of the year. I hate Christmas. 
Oh, sorry, man. I know. It's fine. If um, anybody's particularly psychotic, how do they follow Ed? <laughs> At United Rant. Uh, yeah, that's what I should plug, really, is if you do have a care for Man United, then uh, you might enjoy our podcast, which uh, is called The Rantcast. Um, find us on iTunes by searching for Rantcast. There's two words, or United Rant. That gets us two. Um, or unitedrant.co.uk. There you go. They can do all those sorts of things. Um... The guys will be back here on Sunday, uh, Ross and Colin and Adam, Greg and Tom, they'll be here to discuss the fixtures we just predicted, and you can download that on Monday morning. Um, any five-star reviews for us are equally uh, appreciated. I'm trying to get a push for reviews here, because I think um, we've been stuck on 27 reviews for some time. I'd, like to, I'd love to get some more. Any five-star reviews, do get a Man on the Post fridge magnet as well. I bet you don't give them away in rank cast, do you? No, we don't have to buy off our listeners to write nice <laughs> reviews of us. I'm not sure that's a, a plus. I'm sure that must be against iTunes terms and conditions. You ask them for money most weeks. Only that's entirely optional. We're donation where we'll never run adverts because the only people that ever want to advertise with us are gambling companies. I'm not having it. No, no. You don't want Pele and his magic pills or anything like that. I mean, I might take that as an advert, yeah. Rob, but I'm not taking Paddy Power's hard-earned coin no nor should you nor should you um so yes you can you can download that come the end of the weekend and you can uh, see how our results have got on um man has got articles coming on thick and fast uh, ross has promised some ones coming up fairly soon so you can always uh, stay tuned to the to man and get those at man on the post is the twitter handle for uh, man on the post as well and all that makes to be said is thank you ever so much paul Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And always remember to keep your man in the post. I hate that end bit. You know, we have to give all that spiel out at the end. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at UTD Rantcast. Follow Ed at United Rant. Get us both, or more accurately, neither of us at facebook.com slash United Rant. Read what Ed has to write at unitedrant.co.uk. Read what I have to write on the Bleach Report. And if you really like the show, you can chuck us a few quid at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. Oh, you're a pro. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> I've done that a lot, a lot, a lot of times. <laughs>